Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey friends and neighbors, you're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 27. Stop trying to sleep. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. Still trying to fall asleep? Hoping and willing yourself to slumberland is an uphill battle, and a counterproductive one. So do yourself a favor, and stop trying to sleep. In this week's episode, I discuss a more effective target of your efforts when it comes to getting a good night of rest. It sounds counterintuitive, I know. Is my whole shtick about getting people to try to sleep better? Yes and no. I obviously care a great deal about getting a good night's rest. Or not just one good night but rather a life of being well-rested to allow one to live the life she or he wants to live. Adequate sleep is a requirement of life. Sleeping well is foundational for eudaimonia, for living the good life, for a life of thriving, however you personally envision it. What I have beef with, however, is the notion of trying to sleep. You see, sleep is a biological process, an unavoidable one, in fact. Just like it is physically impossible for you to eat but not digest, no matter how much you try not to digest. It's not something your will has any dominion over. You can do things to avoid sleep for sure, but the fundamental reality of life is that you must sleep or you will die. And whether you want to or not is irrelevant. Your body will do what it needs to survive, as much as it can. And that includes stealing away moments of sleep. Forced to sleep just like you were forced to digest when you've eaten. So to try to do something that is inevitable, that is automatic, trying to do something that is literally not under your volitional control, is like trying to make the sun rise, or trying to make gravity pull things down towards the earth, or trying to digest after you've eaten. These are not choices that you have. These are not events that can ever submit to your volition. To therefore try to sleep is as unnecessary as trying to make the earth revolve around the sun. Your efforts, your will, your trying in this regard, make absolutely no difference in whether the earth moves around the sun. However, when it comes to your sleep, these active efforts, this trying, is not just wasted, not just redundant wishful volition. The act of trying to sleep, trying to fall asleep initially, or trying to fall back asleep after waking, this trying may actually work against you. The act of trying to do one thing may in fact reinforce the opposite. Trying to sleep may actually be keeping you awake. 
Sleep is a passive process. It will happen whether you care or not, because you are alive and sleep is what living things do. And this particular passive process is supported by turning down the volume of physical and mental activity. It is hard to fall asleep while running. It is hard to fall asleep while standing. The less your body is physically active in the moment, the more ready it will be to sleep. Similarly, if you are running through the last argument you had with your best friend that ended with her storming off, or if you are rehearsing all the things that you'll say when your crazy cousin brings up something about the election again, or if you're trying to rhyme that last line of the limerick in the children's story you've been penning, it will be hard to sleep. The less your mind is mentally active in the moment, the more ready it will be to sleep. When your mind is engaged in active trying, the onset of sleep is delayed, even when the trying is to manifest the very onset of sleep itself. The harder you try to sleep, the more mental energy spent willing sleep to occur, the harder it will be for sleep to occur. That mental activity, that act of trying, has delayed the very thing it is intended to bring about. I know this is confusing, paradoxical, counterintuitive. Here's where I'm going with this. A simple five-step process rather than trying to sleep. Step one, take stock. What is going on here? What am I experiencing? What has been going on recently that may be contributing to this? Am I really sleep-deprived and tired, or do I just have the notion that I'm supposed to get eight hours, and despite getting less and feeling fine, I'm making a mountain out of a molehill? Or am I truly suffering? And what has contributed to this suffering? What has been leading up to this? Step two, accept that this is happening. Accept that you don't get to decide when exactly you fall asleep. Accept that you don't control the volume of your neighbors or the sirens down the street. Accept that you don't control the chaos of our politics, that you don't control other people's behavior during a pandemic. Accept that you don't control whether or not you snore. The fundamental fact of reality is that the overwhelming, the literal mind-blowing majority of reality of all that has been, that is, and that will be, you don't get a say. It's not up to you. Accept that you are as human as the rest of us. And accept the fact that you are not powerless either, that you control your judgments and actions, and that there is much in your life that you influence, even if the ultimate outcome is not your determination. Step three, hold yourself with a bit of compassion. You did not intend for this to happen. You did not intend to feel tired. You did not want to feel underslept. You do not intend to struggle with getting to sleep. So put your hand over your heart and tell yourself, this is hard. This is a moment of difficulty. It is hard to experience and it is hard to accept. But also tell yourself, you are a survivor. You have survived every challenge you've ever faced up to this point. It doesn't always feel that way, but you are alive. You've survived. And there is a win in that. Step four, clarify your goals. What are you hoping to achieve? Good sleep is fantastic, but is that really your life purpose? What is it that you hope to gain by feeling better rested? What do you intend to do with all the fruits of a good night of sleep? Or the abundant harvest of a life full of good nights of rest? If you could do anything with your life, what would it be? Is there something you have to do in the morning? And if so, is your goal to check off an item on the to-do list? To do it well, 
to do it feeling well-rested? What would you hope to be doing with your life in a year, in five years? If you had all the time in the world, how would you be spending it? Leisure? Service? Building, maintaining, restoring relationships? What kind of life would leave you feeling proud on your deathbed when looking back? What kind of life would you feel would give you the least regret? Step 5. Having gone through the above, how can you accommodate those aspirations? Would poor sleep hinder or promote those life goals? Would you be in a better or worse position to exemplify those ideals if you were well-rested? I hope you can see the answer is clear. So now, how can you create the conditions to allow for normal sleep to occur to support you living the life you want to live? We've discussed these conditions in various language over the last 26 episodes. But to sum up, there are two main biological drivers. The two main biological conditions affecting your sleep. First, sleep drive, sometimes called process S. And second, circadian rhythm, your internal clock, sometimes called process C. The other significant condition is your cognitive or psychological arousal. When it comes to sleep drive, the longer you've been consecutively awake for, the stronger the drive to sleep. Like stretching a rubber band, the more the band is stretched, pulled, the longer it is extended, the stronger the force to recoil, the stronger the spring back to the original length. This is why staying awake for 40 hours straight makes you so much more tired than after only being awake for 4 hours. Most adults should be aiming for 7-9 to hours of time in bed, giving you a ballpark of 15-17 to hours of continuous wake time to aim for. You won't feel as ready for sleep after just 12 hours as you would with 16 hours. And this is why napping can be problematic. It weakens your sleep drive when it matters by decreasing that consecutive wake time. Sleep drive is further strengthened by physical activity. As discussed in episode 6, exercise, especially morning exercise, increases adenosine concentrations in your brain, building the chemical strength of that sleep drive and improving the quality and quantity of the sleep that same night. When it comes to your circadian rhythm, it's important to keep it regular, as we discussed in more detail in episode 11. And as we've been discussing, you can't force yourself to fall asleep at any particular moment, but you can force yourself to wake at a particular moment, courtesy of alarms. So wake time is your anchor, seven days a week. And the more typical that anchor is, the better, as we explored in episodes 22 and 23 regarding delayed internal rhythms. With a constant wake-up time, followed by lots of bright light shortly after waking, circadian rhythm is reinforced. The more consistent the wake-up time, the more reliable your body's readiness for sleep will be as well. Combining these two together, when you wake up every day at the same time, for example 6am, and get plenty of bright morning light, natural sunlight is best, but artificial lights make great substitutions as well. Then you stay awake all day consecutively without dozing in between, Then most nights, your body will be ready to naturally fall asleep around 9 to 11 p.m. The environmental conditions of your sleeping space matter, as discussed in episode 3 and again in episode 16. Lowering light levels, gradually reducing room temperature, cooling your body temperature down, these help to facilitate the onset of sleep. And finally, the psychological conditions for sleep. It is hard to be forgiving when you are furious. It is hard to feel happy for someone when you are deathly afraid. And it is hard to fall asleep when you are aroused about anything, positive or negative. 
as discussed in episodes 7, 9, 10, 17, 24, there's a lot of influence that your thinking has on your sleep. Feelings of guilt, shame, anger, anxiety, these make it harder to sleep. Feelings of giving, gratitude, and peace of mind help to facilitate sleep. The less aroused our minds are when the physical body is ready for sleep, the more readily we will drift off passively into sleep. So creating a calm environment and calming routines leading up to sleep, engaging in a practice of gratitude, even just in your head or writing it down, gratitude doesn't have to be verbalizing thank you to another person to benefit your sleep. The practices of mindful meditation, these help to wind down cognitive arousal and create the mental conditions that allow for the passive onset of sleep. So to summarize, yes, I want you to sleep well so that you can live well. That is literally my life's work. And I'm not intending to sabotage my life's work by telling you to stop trying to sleep. Quite the opposite. The act of trying to sleep is counterproductive and misplaced. Rather, trying to create the conditions for sleep is a far more worthy endeavor. First, think about and identify what is going on currently in your struggle and what has been leading up to it. Accept that this is happening. Acceptance doesn't mean that you want it to happen, doesn't mean that you intended it to happen, but denial, suppression, refusal to meet reality, these will only make the problem worse. So, give yourself a bit of well-deserved compassion. Recognize your own suffering and feel motivated to alleviate it. You did not want this. This is hard. And there is something that can be done. Acceptance and compassion does not mean relinquishing responsibility, giving up, or just limply taking it on the chin. Clarify your intentions. How do you want to spend your life? What truly matters to you? What would you really miss if it were gone? How can you make meaning in your own life? And finally, how can you create the conditions to facilitate your becoming your self-actualization? Feeling well-rested by having a lifestyle that creates the physical and psychological conditions for sleep is key to thriving, is essential to you having the resources necessary to truly live the life you want to live. So stop trying to sleep, and instead, find and encourage the conditions that most effectively promote your life purposes, and the routines and habits that create the conditions to promote healthy normal sleep will unsurprisingly align with the conditions that promote your best life. Created a little handout for you, so if you head over to wellrestedmd.com day, you can get a free cheat sheet to a day in the life of the well-rested including some specific best practices to get that good snooze. That's wellrestedmd.com slash D-A-Y. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. Leave us a review and head over to wellrestedmd.com for more information. Thanks for listening.